space-time, the ever-expanding frontier. These are the records of the most needlessly complicated rewatch of the Star Trek franchise ever. Its mission, to locate every second, contemplate every eon, from outside time to the Big Bang, to the 20th century, all the way to the end of all existence. To do what no sane entity has ever done before. This is the Temporal Trek Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Temporal Trek Podcast. We are in Chronodate Season 3, Episode 30 and Season 2, Episode 4 of Enterprise. Now, this is Dead Stop. Uh, as I said in the last week's episode when I was uh, with Paul, I'm sort of sort of unofficially calling this part two of the battle damage two-parter because last week we had minefield and this is a direct call through so if that doesn't happen this doesn't happen so it's kind of like a two-parter but as we'll go through the episode there may be some other things that might make it part of a four-parter maybe even a five-parter uh, if we're really thinking about it uh, but it's all timey-wiminess but it's not just me of course it is Dan Dan. Hello. Hello. Yes, I'm here again. I've, do you know what? This is the first episode of season two that I've reviewed because of this and whatever else. And <laughs> yeah, so you were stuck in sick have, Yes, yeah. indeed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We're on, we're on to season two, which is great. Very true. Um, and away we go, really. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so you had two nights, two days and two nights in sick bay. So is that crossing over one episode with what's going to come up next week? Or Quite possibly, yes. You know, it all comes. There was yeah. a floating dog at one point, I'm sure, when I was lying in my sick bed. I'm sure I saw a floating dog. <laughs> a couple of dead chameleons in the back as well. But there we go. We'll come to that next week. Um, but we are not going to be alone, Dan. No. I am actually going to call in someone on the device. I haven't done this in a long time, and I hope I can find the file with the little sound effect. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to f- call in Simon Foster. Are you there, Simon? Hello. Hey. Hello, Simon. Um, now, Simon's our guest. I've known Simon sort of through the internets and interwebs for quite some time. But Simon, uh, introduce yourself to the listeners and how did we meet? Um, yeah, so um, I'm Simon. Um, I've kind of <laughs> trying, to, trying to remember how we met. It's kind of <laughs> it's, uh, it's been over the years on, on Twitter and on uh, the Trekmates forums. And then uh, I've guested uh, a couple of guest spots on uh, 10 Forward and uh, some of the other uh, Trekmate family kind of podcasts. And uh, yeah, we were we were just always talking back and forth um, yeah. on the Trekmate website uh, for people who might remember back back in the day. Uh, we were just saying um, just before we started recording, as almost 10 years ago, uh, they had like the old style forums, didn't they? So each show had their own forum thread and we would jump yeah. in about that episode and talk about what they were talking about. Uh, sometimes they didn't remember what they'd actually recorded and we've sort of had a better recall than they did about the episode. But there we go. Um, but, Sounds strange uh, familiar, and, doesn't it? It really does. Yeah, it's almost it's like all my friendships stem from that one thing. Oh, there we go. Um, <laughs> but no, it was always a good time. And it's fantastic to see you face to face, you know, in the real world, as we were just discussing before recording as well. This is this is now the real world on Zoom, isn't it? Really? We don't meet in person anymore. Um, this is the best we get. Um, before we get into the episode, though, Simon, um, what is it about Dead Stop? Did you pick it because you like it or do you pick it because you hate it and you love pulling it apart? <laughs> um i was kind of i was looking through um the kind of 
upcoming episodes and trying to pick one that's kind of that I could talk about and that, that I quite uh, like. So it's not it's not an special special favourite or uh, a hated one of mine. It's just it's kind of in the middle there. Um, and I, I do like kind of kind of AI kind of data is one of my favourite characters. So that sort of thing kind of fitted with this with this episode so yeah. that was one of the things that that kind of drew me. oh wow oh that's that's a pretty good one i'll i'll go for this one so that's that was kind of my thinking now dan yes. you've been mentioning on our nexus nights that you've got a big problem with sentient ai's yes. running things running the show um is this the reason is this episode one of the reasons behind uh, um no I, you know i never really thought of it as an ai i'm not sure it i suppose it must be but I'm not sure it's actually an AI. It's just a very advanced computer. I think there's a difference. Mm. I don't know. Maybe we we'll decide this by the end of the episode. You know. but, um, As we go through the episode, yeah. yeah, you never know. There might be little bits of information or little bits of evidence. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, right. Well, we get into uh, the episode itself with our L-Cars rating system. We've got system. to ask a question Do first. We need to ask we Simon um, the theme tune. Oh, of course, how could I forget? I've almost blocked out the theme tune, so I completely forgot. Sai, as it is your first time, uh, thoughts on the Enterprise theme tune? Right, the opening sequence for um, Enterprise. Um, visually, it's perfect. It's a really one of the probably the one of the best um, opening sequences visually. Uh, the the scenes um, of kind of early moon, moon landings, all the space uh, space race stuff, uh, and that gradual progression of technology visually, I, I I think it's one of the best. Musically, no, <laughs> I. I, I, I yeah, yeah. Musically, it's not the the tune that I would have picked when if I was creating <laughs> Enterprise. Um, but saying that, over the years of watching Enterprise, you grow to to like it. <laughs> you you find yourself singing along to uh, to it. So maybe it's maybe it's not as bad as I first thought of. Um, when I first heard it, but yeah. <laughs> I think that's at least 10 for 10. I think in each individual guest we've had on the show, that's now 10 guests. And I think every single person has said something along those lines is that the visuals are fantastic. <laughs> if it was mute, it would be brilliant, <laughs> but just not the song. Um, yeah. Well, um, Dan, yes. you've, you've, yeah. Any other comments on the credit credit sequence? I, yeah, just to come I, back. I to was it. just going to say, I'm not sure I can bring myself to think about it again. If I'm honest, I am very. <laughs> let's put it this way: I am very, very glad that Netflix has a skip intro button. <laughs> yes, that makes me happy. Yeah, yeah. I would love to see, like, even if Netflix don't tell us who's watching, just to see the the you know the the stats on how many times the intro button gets used. Um, yeah, there we go. Um, yeah. Oh, actually, generally speaking as well, uh, Simon, how did you get into Trek? Like, what is your inroad? What is your long road getting from there to here? Um, well, <laughs> it's been so long. I can't remember what the, the first episode 
um, was that I watched. Um, I have vague memories of watching um, the original series back in the very early 80s. And then, then of course, Next Gen came out um, and I was a big fan of, of, of that. that. That was what really got me into it. I'd probably say Next Gen is my favourite Trek. Um, and then, of course, all the other Berman era Star Treks after that. And that was kind of a child of the 80s. So it, you you just six o'clock BBC two, you're you're watching uh, watching Trek. So um, that's kind of how I, I got into it. And I've been I've watched every series as it's come out. Um, um, the newer ones, they're, they're still good. Uh, um, they have their moments. Some of them are not as as trek as as I'd like them to be, but I still I'll still watch them. I'll still, however bad it gets, I'm still going to be watching <laughs> watching trek because I'm, I'm a trekkie through and through, as, as they say. So, um, um, so yeah, yeah, that's kind of a trek story. <laughs> I always like a good story like that. It's always good. You know, everyone gets in in some way, but that six o'clock BBC schedule that is ingrained in, uh, you know, when the last synapses fire in my brain, when I'm on my deathbed, that will be the last thing. It's like, ah, there's Simpsons at six o'clock and then 20 past six is Star Trek. And then at uh, seven past eight, then it's going to be the B movie of the week. And then that's it. That's all I need. That's all I need to remember for for the rest. Um, But there we go. Yeah. Um, So dead stop. Uh, we'll move into the episode itself. Um, any sort of memories of this one, just in general, though? Just like when you came to it and having to rewatch it, was it one that you kind of was always in the back of the head that oh, I can't remember this, that, or that, or is this almost beat for beat you can remember it? Um, I can remember the the kind of the the, the basic storyline bit. Um, I remembered uh, kind of that side of things, but scene for scene no i can't I'll, it's not one that i've watched so many times that i can i know exactly what lines coming up next like certain other uh, trek episodes um so yeah there was stuff that i thought oh i thought that happened in this one but it didn't and you, you do kind of oh sometimes similar episodes sometimes get a bit mixed in your head dan yeah i, I remember i remember the station that's what i remember mm. and and certainly, I think Travis was in my mind. Whether I would have remembered it was Travis, I'm not sure, but I, I do. I mean, it's good that he's in your mind. Yes, At least somebody's remembering yeah. him. That's the main thing. Yeah. Poor old Travis. Um, yeah. So, no, I'm not. Again, I, I didn't remember it sort of beat for beat. I, I didn't remember the bit about um, going into the sort of the, the processing center and stuff like that at the end. I didn't quite remember how it resolved. But, I, yeah, I, mem- I remember the the sort of the, the repair ship in space or the repair station in space. And that was about as much mm. as I remember before I started watching again. Yeah. Uh, same as you guys. It, I remember the station that stands out, the voice of the computer, you know, um, I kind of remember that Travis was the one that was taken, but I couldn't remember if that was, if there was a significance to that or if it just happened, you know, the computer just randomly picked him as it turns out, it just did. Um, you know, and we'll discuss that as we go. But yeah, it's it's there, but it's not quite best of both worlds. I'm reciting the dialogue back to the TV <laughs> moments. You know, it's not quite there. Um, right. 
Well, we start at zero minutes, zero seconds. Uh, all before the credits, it's inspecting the damage. This is why it's the two-parter, the battle damage two-parter that I'm, I'm talking about. Uh, it's the first proper mention of a date, even though Minefield wasn't given a set date, but it's four days after. So we're given that they're still trying to figure things out uh, and they're sort of dead in the water. Um, first sort of mention of actual mining. Up till now, Tri uh, Trip has always said, oh, we need to get hold of this. Mm. And so they go to a planet and then they see that, that that resource is there. But this is the first time where he says, you know, if we can find that resource, we could mine it and then rebuild what we need. So it's kind of the first mention of something we were seeing in season one. Where are they getting the resources? Well, they clearly have a mining team. So we've got a new brand brand new branch of lower decks on enterprise there's clearly a set of miners somewhere uh, maybe they're all playing pool whilst they're waiting in between uh, all the missions but there we go uh, it's going to take three to four months for trip to repair on his own the best they've got is warp two they're a decade away from jupiter station and we get the first general distress call in history you know keep it like in detail just put out a general distress distress we've saved enough people it's a time for them to pay us back and it's Hoshi. Hoshi does a first. She wrote the first distress call, if we're thinking temporary. And uh, for the MVP for 2152, she made up the general distress call. So uh, up to the credits, any thoughts on inspecting the damage? Uh, we'll start with Simon. Um, yeah, um, I've, I like the uh, the relationship between Archer and Trip. It, it's, 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 it's always been the nice to see that, that, that friendship. Um, through the, throughout the series so uh, yeah it's um and yeah just inspecting the damage uh, and setting up the episode of what what's what's happened why and and the kind of it's very very uniquely enterprise in that they're a decade away from getting repairs it's not like they can send another ship to to rendezvous with them or toes them or anything like that they are literally stranded um they're they're going to be yeah they're, they're a decade away from repairs but who knows what other resources that they would run out of trying mm -hmm. to trying to get home and get repaired so it is it is looking really bleak and it's own, own it's only enterprise that could do a story like this um if, if you think of it like that so um yeah a, a kind of good setup for the rest of the episode yeah, yeah I, I agree really i think you've hit the nail on the head there simon um yeah that's broadly i think um i quite like there's a little sort of callback i don't know if it is a callback really or not but they're in the shuttle or the, the sort of in, um i think they're in the shuttle actually aren't they but then they're going underneath and it just reminded me of the bit they, that they mentioned later on when he hits the um the inside of the enterprise in is it in um is it in the pilot they're back in broken, broken bow, bow. Yeah, yeah he scrapes yeah. scrapes there so there's that yeah. all sort of you know it's been a year i think he says mm. it's, it's sort of a year ago um yeah yeah no again nice little setup they, i think we've said so many times now that they actually they, these little setup scenes are really they work really well generally and this is another one it as you as simon says you know it sets the pe the peril for the episode you know they're 10 years away from you know it's, it's like an early version of voyager you know mm. <laughs> um they're in they're in big mm. trouble i think you know i think it's funny how again maybe well i will i'll say this to begin with and i won't go into too much but um 
you know, maybe they could have they could have stretched this out over a couple of episodes. You know, being stuck. They're they're yeah. stuck in the Alpha Quadrant rather than being stuck in the Delta Quadrant. You know, but they're you know they're <laughs> almost in the same boat really as as Voyager ends up being in. Um, yeah. So that would have been interesting, maybe to sort of you know and having to deal with you know aliens and stuff in a difficult situation would have maybe been an interesting way of taking the story. Fending off. I mean, they spent all of season one fending off different marauders and pirates and what have you. Then to have them almost dead in the water and still fending them for themselves. Yeah, equally as dangerous for them. And the placement of this also sort of fits being after Shockwave when the the Vulcans are kind of retreating from joint operations. They aren't always going to be there to help like they were in season one. Um, So the placement of this particular episode in early days of season two makes it even more dangerous because they can't call for the Vulcans necessarily for help. Um, They wanted to be on their own. Well, now they're going to have to lick their own wounds and deal with it themselves. Um, After the credits, we come into Reed's rehab. So not only are we fixing the ship, we're fixing Reed as well. Uh, You know, if he had a phaser, I'm sure he'd try and shoot flocks by the looks of it from the rehab that he's going through. Uh, saying that it's unethical to harm the patient, but actually Flock says, no, I can inflict as much harm or pain as I like, just can't willingly harm a patient, uh, which was a nice kind of callback to Vox Solar, where he was stopping Reed from mm. uh, torturing the little tentacle thing, and now Reed is the tentacle, so there we go. Flocks would have gladly done it if it was Reed. <laughs> um <laughs> he does say your recovery is going to take a lot longer if you don't stop complaining. He's got a Brit on the table. I mean, he's going to complain, isn't he? Like, that's what we do best, isn't it? That's that's our superpower. Brits complain. Uh, he's got two weeks, two weeks to recall uh, all of that. Um, and he's also got worms. Yes, he's got a Rigelian worm slimbering around inside of him as well. Ugh. Any thoughts on Reed's recovery and sort of playing into, again, this idea that they're still recovering? It's not just the ship, it's the crew too. Yeah, yeah, um, I like anyway. this. I, I, what I really like about this scene, that the, 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 the best moment is when he says, you know, I, I can inflict as much pain as I like. Because it, <laughs> he, he says it in that very flocks way, very sort of, sort of a bit of a laugh, but, you know he sort of means it as well and and you think oh and, and poor old reed's thinking i've got two weeks of this to come and you know and and so that yeah that i like that the, again flocks hits the notes really lovely it's just the delivery mm. is spot on <laughs> sorry yeah I, I i like flocks he's he's such a clear departure from the other doctors with his his creatures and his bats and all sorts so and what Reed must be thinking with this creature lost somewhere in his body. You got to think, well, where is it going to come out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's you know, and as soon as it does, you just know Reed's going to torture it or shoot it in his quarters. When it does, he's had enough of that thing inside him. That's it; it's gone. Um, uh, it then goes to uh, Archer's ready room. We find out the squeak is back, so we're continuing this idea that you know the Enterprise is almost falling apart at the seams everywhere, not just in the battle damage. And he's called to the bridge, and they've found a Tellarite freighter, or have they? We don't see them. We don't get a video call. It's not like a garbled communications where you can kind of see someone there. It's a voice communication. Now, later in the episode, we establish the station can mimic people's voices and so forth and so forth. Were the Tellarites actually giving them the position? Ah, do you know what? That never occurred to me. What a great idea. Was it the station or yeah. was it an actual Tellarite? Because it was just 
conveniently garbled enough to tell them that there was a repair station, but not anything else. There was not enough to suggest that it was the Tellarites themselves. Wow. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like that that idea. Yeah. Mm. So I, I'm just wondering, I mean, it, should they then have put in a scene where they find the Tellarite captain? You know, they find a Tellarite hooked up next to Travis, and maybe we would have seen that, and it's like, oh, it was them all along. Ooh. Uh, play into the spookiness. I don't know. But it was something that only I, I thought of on the second rewatch. First time around, I thought, yeah, it's a Tellarite captain. Garble comms, yeah, they're damaged. Fair enough. But the second time, after we established that there's a little bit of uh, mimicry going on, mm. maybe there's something going there. Um, it's three and a half days at Warp 2 to get to the station as well. So they're even limping to go and get to this station. Uh, I did consider maybe making this one episode, and then next week we'll do the rest of the episode because it's it's a pretty big gap, you know, temporal trek and everything like that. But no, I won't put the listeners through that. It's okay. We'll, we'll do it all in one go. Um, they arrive at the station, and it's still very ominous. There's no communications. No one's being very pleasant. Um, you know, Archer is talking about, you know, they should work on their... Uh, their reception skills and their their ways of uh, uh, greeting people, but it wouldn't be Star Trek without a blinding yes. scan. Uh, the second one we've seen in Enterprise, the first one for twenty one fifty two, and they are blinded by a scanner. Um, but it starts to morph and change and adapt. Now, uh, starting with Simon, when you first saw that, do you do you have any recall from the very first time you ever watched this episode, years and years back? that maybe there was something else going on with this station that was it, you know, uh, some secret aliens, the way to steal the enterprise and they were hiding or was it going to be an AI? Was it going to be something else? Any thoughts? Um, I, I can't remember what I first thought when I first saw this episode, but there's at, at this point in the episode, there's not a lot to go on. All mm. you know is that this, there's a station that looks at first scan liquid healing atmosphere uninhabitable and then it suddenly changes so you your mind is already thinking well this isn't exactly what it appears to be there's some some changes going on here so mm. there's going to be some kind of yeah something's going to going to happen it's not just going to repair us and send us on and away there's going to be something <laughs> otherwise there won't be an episode so <laughs> I mean, it could just be, you know, set in, in the sick bay, you know, and was just watching Reed's recovery for two weeks. Uh, just be equally as, as annoying, maybe. I don't know. Um, but, uh, Dan, any any sort of thoughts on no, that? No, I don't think... I can't remember either, but I don't think I would have done, because I tend to watch Star Trek in a very sort of placid way, really. Until I... Like, when I rewatched this, and when I rewatched the other episodes we talked about, then I start to think about it. But generally, I watch it, I just sort of, it, it wafts over me quite happily. So I don't tend to sort of, I, I don't think I would have thought, oh, there's something going on here. I would have thought, oh, that's handy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm a very sort of, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I like, I just sort of, it, it wafts over me gently, Star Trek generally. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm starting to think that I am Reed because I was, I'm a very suspicious person when I'm watching these shows. And uh, the fact that they're not talking to them, 
they conveniently there's a repair station that's only a couple of days away from a Romulan minefield. Was it the Romulans again? And this was a second play, knowing that, you know, it's always a game of chess with the Romulans. You know, you lure them in with the minefield and oh, conveniently, there's a repair station just a few light years away, all this kind of stuff. And then that's how they get you. You know, they think that it's the minefield that's the problem is actually the station. So having watched minefield, I always have thought what if it was a Romulan ploy and this was just another thing and this was going to be the course of season two, you know, building up to Romulans and things like that. So it's, it's always been one of those things that in the back of my mind, I always thought, is it Romulans? Is it, you know, the AI that we eventually get at the end or is it an AI? Um, I, I remember way, way back, back into the old Star Trek magazines, there were people who would write in theories and things like that, the, the, the notes, the, the letters at the back, and everyone was saying, oh, it's the Borg, it's the first, you know, instance of the Borg and stuff like this. I was like, that doesn't quite fit with me, you know, they're stealing people, but it's not the same thing. But I always wondered, you know, if other people always had these theories, but clearly I'm just a very paranoid I'm just going to say, can go. I ask you a question? <laughs> Slight, yeah. Not off topic, but slightly off topic. Do you identify at all with Garrick? Garak, do you think? <laughs> I'm just a pure, simple podcaster. <laughs> That's all I am. <laughs> um, there's, uh, we get into the station, and I, again, I don't know about you guys, I got 2001 A Space mm. Odyssey in my head. Just where everything's clean, it's all white. Um, it's very unusual, and it's again a computer that's talking to you and nothing else. Um, you know, uh, we find out about the ship. We see the hologram and everything. We see the scratched paintwork. Uh, so, does this technically make it a th the th third part of a three-parter with Broken Bow? Is it the battle damage is like you know because it's the paintwork works straight back there? You know that doesn't happen without that. I think it's a stretch. Um, but I'm being silly. Yeah. I'm being silly. I'm being silly. It's fine. Um, there's other times where I'm thinking mm, there might be something though. Um, uh, there is a funny part when they call back to the scratch paintwork and he says, I told yeah. you to fix that. So I was getting around to it. I was getting around to it. And to Paul in the back, just looking at him, you, if you had a subtitle for to Paul, it would be best engineer in the fleet, my foot. And it would just be, it's just this, like, I can't believe he still hasn't fixed it. <laughs> just the way she looks at him. And she does that a couple of times this episode as well. Um, so yeah, anyone listening at home, Look out for it. The way she just looks and beams straight into trip. There we go. Um, we identify Malcolm as well, and uh, not by anything on the screen, but just because he hindered his leg there. That's that's the only reason that Archer would identify that that's Malcolm. And I'm not going in into the details on that. Um, we get an idea of compensation, and it's a bit of a bargain. Uh, only a couple of uh, vials of war plasma. Uh, again, it's a bit bit convenient isn't it that uh, you know you only have to pay a little bit and you get all of your ship prepared and all of the things are going to be sorted in just 34 hours instead of three or four months that's pretty damn good um are you with archer are you already suspicious at this point or do you feel like you could be to pole and think maybe there's a species out there that's just nice i'm definitely with to pole i think yeah that's how i would have thought was that you know it's, it's just you know most it seems to me that most um warp capable species get to a point where money sort of drifts out of the equation so why not these guys so mm -hmm. yeah no i was definitely you know quite relaxed with that i'm kind of with archer really it's it's kind of th things that they're, they're doing for us for very little compensation mm. and there's got to be more going on um uh, and um and the and the station it sounds suspiciously like 
um dreadnought or voyager doesn't it <laughs> it's very strange yes who, almost... yeah who sus- sounds suspiciously mm. like Milano torres mm. yes it weird, does it? <laughs> so strange how that comes full circle uh yeah very weird maybe you know it's one of those uh you remember like a few years ago where you could download different voices for your gps maybe that's just you know standard voice yeah. and you know Belana Torres just happens to sound like that voice that you could download back in the 22nd century. It's just something that happened. I, I, Maybe she's distantly related. I think there's a, a real-world explanation, actually. I think Roxanne Dawson didn't get paid enough to direct it, so wanted a, a part in it. And thought, if I get boost my old wages up a little bit with a speaking part. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's that's my, my conclusion. The guy with the budgets came in, look... Uh, uh, Look, Roxanne, we, we can't pay you this, so uh, how about a couple of vials of warp plasma? Is that okay? We can pay you in that. It's like, no, that's in the script. That's not how I'm going to get paid. Your inquiry has not been um, <laughs> I might just do that at work, you know, just uh, when people come up and ask questions that have nothing to do with my job. Sorry, your inquiry, not recognised. Yeah, go away. Um, we see the rec room and the rec centre, and we get... Um, it's not a traitorage. Oh, I'm not going to say traitorage. I, I was convinced it was <laughs> not in this traitorage. It was almost when he said about getting the money back, but there was a little smirk there. So I'm I'm thinking that's just a little joke between uh, Trip and Archer. You know, get our money back, all this sort of stuff. But it does contain the sound clip I used for the jingle, the catfish, one pound fried catfish. Um, so that's where it comes from. And but just in general about all the facilities and the fact we get replicators mm. for the first time. Is it too soon to see replicators? Do you think that that's a bit much, Si? Um, yeah, I was, on the second watch, I was starting to think, why are they showing us the replicators at this point? And then it just dawned on me, oh, well, because the whole shit to repair, that's getting replicated and all the parts that it's fitting and stuff. So you've got to kind of show that kind of advanced technology in order for the ship to actually get repaired. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting seeing seeing how they, they react to the um, replicator. And Trip obviously dives into his catfish and uh, <laughs> enjoys that. So, uh, but Archer's still a bit uh, uncertain about it all. So, uh, yeah, yeah I, I I must admit I'm I'm slightly taken aback that that the the whole pan fried catfish isn't a traitrid. It mm. it should be because it's <laughs> it's in the jingle, so it's got to be there surely. <laughs> I'm shocked. Yeah, see, it was going to be because I, in my mind, I always think that he mentions it every five right, minutes. Okay. You know, for me, it's like it, his micro singularities. It's the thing I think he says all the time. But this is only the second time he's ever mentioned catfish throughout all of season one up till now. So I can't hold that against him. It's only two times he's mentioned it. If it had been pecan pie, maybe it would have pushed it. <laughs> so maybe I, maybe I have to alter the jingle just to be pecan pie instead. But uh, but no, it wasn't. And I'm I'm going to leave him alone on this one. I think he was okay for that cool. point. Uh, not not to say there might be a traitor later. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, yeah, keep people co- coming back for more. Um, there was a mention though that because it was in the database that it scanned them and it has taken all of that information. So it has everything right down to DNA profiles. And Archer mentions it would have been nice to be asked. And I'm wondering. Is this consent culture? Is this the society 
of the future that the reason why we don't have the Ferengi on record the reason why we don't always have everything recorded and the Enterprise the NX-01 mission doesn't get mentioned in the future too much is that nobody sent signed the consent form <laughs> to talk about this information maybe maybe there's something going on there um any thoughts just on wanting to have uh someone ask permission before taking information I think um this is, yeah, this is really interesting, actually, because um, the way I think basically what we're seeing, and I really noticed this, is what we've got this to, in this episode is angry, angry Archer. Mm-hmm. He's very angry in this episode. Again, I think we've talked about this previously, you know, this weird way that he swings so violently. And this episode, <laughs> he's like, you know, there's a bit, I think, I mean, I can understand why he's angry, because the bit after... Um, um, oh God, I forgot his name again. <laughs> God, Reed? no, Travis. Travis. Mm. Oh, Travis, I keep forgetting his name. The bit after <laughs> Travis dies, and he has a go at um, to Paul about you know not not letting people know, which he obviously did. You know, she's, <laughs> she's perfectly competent, and you know, but yeah, and he's he's and he like he smashes his fist against the. The um, computer at one point, he? he's, he's, I mean, I can understand to a degree, but it's mm. really odd, you know, that he, he, this episode, he's very angry. I think the mm. next episode, he's very angry as well, but that's, that's in the future. But, it, you know, but he does, he, he veers violently, you know. I don't know if he's ever been tested for sort of bipolar or something or, you know, something like that, because he's, he's terrible. One, one week he's missed the sort of, you know, the, with, with the, um, the um the slug on the night planet mm. you know he's mr considerate he's mr understanding he's mr new man you know and in this one he's like ah <laughs> smash you know he's like <laughs> so uh, i mean in between then you know he was abducted on a desert planet uh the two days and two nights he did get on a vacation he ended up spying on a yeah. lady uh, rather than you know actually enjoying himself, um, I don't think he actually got to read, read the book on the beach as he originally intended. So you know maybe that's just the aggro. You know, two months ago he didn't get what he wanted, and it's just now coming out. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, any, any thoughts on that side? Um, yeah, it's it's he actually is a it's a it's a difficult one, isn't he? He's not he's not your your Picard or your Kirk is he? He's, he's a bit of a, a bit of a mixed bag, and yeah, he does kind of some episodes. He is a, he does seem to fly off the handle a bit, um, and uh, yeah, even before kind of Travis has um, disappeared, he, he he's, he's he's still at, on the verge of being angry there. So yeah, it, it's more than just distrust. There's definitely mm-hmm. something. Else, um, going on his in his head uh yeah i think he's just having a very bad day or he's you know he's he is he's bipolar that's it maybe yeah maybe this is a diagnosis that we yeah. need i mean flocks flocks should have all of this on record so maybe you know he, he needs to look into that but there we go we're going to the archer's ready room the squeak is gone we have a little uh, reference to gremlins uh, and to paul asked maybe she should scan for some 
um you know maybe they should have made it gremlins maybe you know the aliens uh, on board the, the space station should have been these weird gremlin creatures that could adapt themselves to different environments and actually you know they just like talking as if they're a computer all the time i don't know um but he's still troubled by this bargain so he's already suspicious we go to trip and read and they're in the mess deck and they're talking about you know where is the computer core it should be huge for something like this with processing power now that seemed a bit of a weird argument for me um you know it's the future obviously the humans have developed computer cores to a certain size but given the advancements of this station yep. its computer core could easily be something you fit in your pocket and be the same processing power as as the enterprise um any thoughts on that yeah <laughs> over, the last, over the last 50 years computers have been getting smaller and smaller and more and more powerful so trip being chief engineer should should know this he should <laughs> be aware that judging a computer by earth standards it, 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 yeah it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't add up this this kind no. of at all so yeah i would yeah I don't, I don't know this is just an excuse to get them to crawl around the station really yeah and this is why it's my traitor it's time you learn to weigh the possible repercussions of your actions you've always been impulsive one pan fried catfish and show you to the nearest airlock maybe this will teach you Ah, <laughs> there we go. You, <laughs> um, yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. His argument for like, where's the computer core for me doesn't make any sense. If it was just genuine curiosity, curiosity, I would have been absolutely fine. But something about that argument just didn't stick well in my mind. So that is my trade not the catfish. It's this uh, picking up from where we left off. Uh, so they go off snooping. Uh, so that is all part of the trade trade, really. The reasoning behind it. They go snooping. They didn't see any trespassing signs. That's not good enough, in my opinion. I mean, you don't just go around doing all of that. And, you know, he's easily leading Reed uh, down the corridor, quite literally. Um, but this is where we really come into. This is everything is automated. This whole station. There isn't someone hiding behind the curtain. This isn't, you know, Wizard of Oz. We're not going to find out there is an alien on board who's like a lonely alien who just wants to be nice to everybody. And this is a big Star Trek message or anything like that. It's purely an automated station. Based on that, given the humanist message of Star Trek overall for the entirety of all of the franchises, does this make this episode stand out because it is so unusual to see something completely automated in Star Trek? We've seen some automation coming into the new Star Treks, like Discovery, with the little bots and, and everything like the dots and things like that. But to see an entirely automated station like this it's not you know rock the android from tos that looks human but is still automation it's an entirely automated system does it make it stand out more as an episode um no but maybe if it was a better episode it would <laughs> I, 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 to be fair actually, i like this episode so that's maybe a bit harsh <laughs> but no it no no it didn't really it's um what it does well what it does remind you of and well not remind me of but I don't know if you noticed in the control room, the sort of tower in the middle, mm -hmm. with the with the orange or the yellow thing. Yes, yes, yes. Next time you're watching Think Tank from Voyager, yes. have a look. Mm. 
Because if it's not the same prop, I would be amazed. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. Yeah, you're kind of expecting like a, a series of a couple of aliens standing around it, and this was the first yeah. think tank. Ooh, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think it ever gets said in the episode. Well, I'm sure it doesn't get said in the episode. I've watched it enough now. <laughs> um, but I wonder whether that's where it come from. In no, They've retconned it so that mm. this was where it was before it got taken off by, I can't remember the name of the alien, but the alien that, that formed the think tank. Mm. In which Ooh. case, does the think tank have a load of bodies down underneath the floor? Ooh. They did want seven. They wanted to take seven with them, but they didn't say what they yeah. were going to do with her once she actually stays with them. Yeah. Um, you know, it's only the rare few who actually get to walk around the station at any one yeah. time. There we go. Oh, that's a good. So is this part one of the think tank two-parter that we won't Maybe see the is, end yes. of yeah. until you're, 15 years time? <laughs> you're obsessed, aren't you? you? You want them to be a trilogy and a two-parter and... <laughs> I'm trying to make everything you're, shorter. Him, trying to make you, it you're gonna, you're gonna love the end of um, DS9 season seven, mate. Oh yes, yeah, gonna be so. Eight episodes. We're gonna record all of it in one morning. We're gonna do it. It'll be <laughs> fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, Sai. Uh, uh, anything about sort of the automation uh, part of the episode? Well, I've always thought that we've seen kind of this kind of automation and things like this um, before. Like you've got you've your data and law and that, that androids like that and um the some of the voyager episodes i'm sure there's there's stations similar to this or or maybe i'm just misremembering but yeah it it, it it didn't really stand out as kind of that different to to stuff with that we've seen on trek before mm. hmm. nice. Uh, that's cool i just wanted to make it part of the episode i was trying to uh, mine it for something deep and meaningful about humanists and and uh automation and you know or you know automation is the enemy of people and all that kind of stuff uh, maybe i'm a paranoid marxist well, there we go maybe i'm finding out well that. i mean of course what you have picked up on <laughs> is the, the um the trope which kirk is obviously the main protagonist of, uh, of destroying the computer at the end very true yeah, maybe you've spotted a link that we hadn't we hadn't realised. Maybe that's it. Yeah, unintentionally, but that's why he's angry. You know, it's the unpredictable human has completely defeated the computer. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so we're retconning that Kirk at the academy read this particular mission document, and yeah. that's where he got the idea from. It's like, wow. Yeah. Okay, keep that in mind. Automated system, you've got to lose your temper. There we go. Yeah, um, <laughs> does not compute. Right. Um, but we get Travis and we get the call to the shuttle bay. The, the mimicked voice of Archer is playing through the system. Um, not the first time we've seen a mimicked voice of Archer. Second time um, for Enterprise because we saw the uh, mimicked voice in Silent Enemy where they took his uh, call to them and then they sort of replayed it through auto-tune and played his words back to him. Uh, so it's the second time Archer's been mimicked. It's a weird stat, but I thought might as well include it um and we get lots of ducts and snooping around and they're going to start breaking in as well um and uh trip and reed get beamed to the bridge and we get another instance of to paul looking at them uh, <laughs> best best engineer in the fleet my foot um can i bring something up here yeah go for it um i don't know if you noticed but when you look at when the scene when that when trip and um reader talking about the layout of the ship of the of the station mm. 
as it pans across, Travis is sitting there, I'm pretty sure with Hoshi. Mm-hmm. It pans across to them. They talk for a few minutes. Then they go up and get up into the thing and get beamed back. Mm-hmm. And within that time, Travis has gone back and is in his in his um yep. thing within like it can only be about ten minutes. I don't know, you know. <laughs> I think there was they didn't really think that through as far as continuity and, and timey wimey this went. Very true. Very yeah. true. Like how... taking the ladies getting that panel off the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. Trip's not half the engineer he thinks he is. <laughs> I'm telling you, not the best engineer my foot. That's it. That's what it's all about. Yeah, no, that is true, because they even mentioned that they saw the two of them yeah. in the in the recreation room. And yeah, for all of that time to change. And he needs to get changed after having dinner to go to bed. But he's just getting changed into his regular uniform and and clothes it doesn't make any sense yeah but... he's in his sort of um vest isn't he yeah almost as if he's going to get into a different uniform does he have like a uniform for sleeping and a uniform for a, on active duty uh archer sort of choose out reed and trip for uh climbing around and doing all of that but he's more than happy to ask yes. him if they actually did find something uh you know he's he's played into his own paranoia there as well and then we get the call down to the launch bay and Travis is da, 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 dead. Uh, we didn't get a, he's dead, Jim, but we did get he's dead captain. So it's just there on the TOS. Um, just a, any thoughts when you first watch it? Uh, um, did you remember this bit that Travis was the one who was actually killed? Uh, you know, Was he being abducted and all this sort of thing? Or did you genuinely believe they killed him and that they were just going to you know, magically resuscitate him later in the episode? I couldn't remember actually. I, f- I think I remembered it being Travis, mm. um, and I can't couldn't remember how it all sort of paid out in the end. But yeah, poor old Travis. He's like not been in an episode for about you know about a month, and then he's <laughs> he's the next episode he's in he's killed. <laughs> it's pretty harsh, isn't it? And you know he gets a little shot when he's sitting in, in the mess hall. It's a passing shot. He gets to put his put his vest on. And next thing he knows, he's dead. <laughs> Poor old Travis. And yeah. So I'm just surprised anyone noticed, to be honest with you. Very true. <laughs> it's only Hoshi. Only Hoshi was the yeah. one who noticed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's the kind of typical trick when anyone, anyone dies, you think, well, are they really dead? <laughs> so many people have come back from the dead. So uh, I, I can't remember what I thought on the first watch, but I would imagine I would have think, thought, well, they're not <laughs> killed. Uh, uh, it's this is the point though that I believe why Archer has sort of spilled over and then he gets angry like up to this point yeah it it feels a bit weird that he's getting that angry and that agitated the paranoia maybe the suspicions but not quite the anger that we've already seen up to this point but now kind of Papa Archer you know the daddy Archer one thing the one consistent thing about his character is that he does love his crew almost like a dad so one of them's died. He's now lost his temper. This is where he's punching the screen. He wants to talk to a person. I mean, I know that feeling, you know, when you're stuck on call for an hour or so with the British gas or, or anything like that, you just want to talk to a person. You don't want to listen to uh, Rachmaninoff for the third time. Um, but uh, it, there was a weird sort of scene where it's filmed from behind the screen looking at him. And then I thought, well, is there someone behind the curtain? Are they going to yeah. actually pour a fast one and say, actually, there really is someone living on board and it's somebody watching him through the screen? 
but they didn't go that way and it, it seemed like i don't know maybe they, they missed a trick or maybe that's where the the dead bodies were being hung up that we eventually see later in the episode that it just moved the screen away and they're plugged into the computer they are processing the computer and we the audience kind of work it out for ourselves without any kind of explanation later on i don't know i think i know what that was i think mm-hmm. that was a nod and a, and a homage to 2001 ah i think that's what it was mm. Looking through that's the... What, that's what I yeah, yeah that's what I thought when when I saw it I thought of that and mm. I think that was a nod definitely right that's it well when I see Roxanne Dawson when we do the convention circuit and if she's there that's what I'm asking was that a deliberate thing was that actually 2001 I'm sure it's yes but there we go um, the post mortem scene now uh, Flox is about to get started Hoshi then comes in I felt it was quite a heartfelt performance. You know, I thought, believe that it was Hoshi that would have that reaction. If it was any other character, we haven't really seen any, you know, interaction between Travis and them. Maybe Reed from Broken Bow, but that was over a year ago. Hoshi is the only person we ever see interact with Travis in any meaningful way. Um, but she mentioned that he's a bit of a prankster and that he <laughs> likes to play tricks. And we've never seen that. <laughs> We've seen ghost stories and that he likes to play around with ghost stories, but that's a big difference from playing practical jokes. Um, the jelly that she was supposed to translate for the captain. Um, do, you, do you think they were just trying to write something in to make Travis more interesting? I think, well, Travis is so bland. It's, it's, it, you had to kind of put something in here to kind of <laughs> make the audience think that someone would actually be bothered that he's dead so yeah he's he's, he's what he's probably the most underused character in the entirety of trek it's mm. i can't think of another character that is as underused as yeah. as Travis. Yeah. Um, and so this is probably a real challenge to try and get a, a scene to with a character that is actually missing him because there's so little to work with so yeah you've got a ghost story and him coming onto the ship and broken bow and that's probably about it um so yeah it's a bit of a challenge <laughs> dan it really it really reminds me of discovery actually hmm this is exactly what Discovery would do if they killed yes. off, you know, if they killed off a Wushikun or somebody, or maybe maybe a Wushikun's got more screen time than Travis, to be fair. <laughs> but, true. you know, one of their other bridge officers that have done nothing for the last four seasons, they drop in a little <laughs> anecdote. I mean, they literally did it in that episode when the, the cyborg died or the... the mm. um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's really funny, isn't it? Because I thought that, exactly what I thought. I thought, oh, wow, this is like it's just not i just don't believe it you know <laughs> it's ridiculous it's it's the most ironic thing is that the most we learn about travis didn't actually yes. come from travis yes. somebody else had to say it exactly, it's yeah. just weird yeah. um but yeah, yeah. die for it to be to come out to die you know and I, you know i would kind of hope that i've forgotten maybe there's future episodes coming up from now till the end of season four and oh sorry computers just jumped out there we go. Um, yeah, up to season four, and that maybe he plays a practical joke at, that joke at least once, but I really can't remember anything in my head. No, and I don't think he even tells a ghost story again after this episode. I think he literally he does die. 
I, I think it's genuinely they they fudged the reports he didn't actually live they didn't rescue him at all they fudged the reports <laughs> and said he's alive and that's it <laughs> Um, you know, the, they maybe propped up a cardboard version of him uh, for uh, the future episodes where he goes to meet his family again and nobody notices because it's Travis and nobody seems to talk about Travis. I really feel sorry for Travis. I want him to have more. Um, but, oh, God, somebody just give Travis something to do. I would love to... Uh, I would love to have a short Trek series, mini series if possible, where it's him doing paranormal investigations, but it's him doing the, the ghost stories of the universe. And it's all the different cultural ghost stories. Just so we, we give Anthony Montgomery the just desserts to actually explore the character, you know, and actually give him the chance to, to explore Travis one more time. Do you, do you know, I've just thought, I don't think Travis independently walks through the whole episode. That's very true. I don't think he walks under his, even walks under his own power through the whole <laughs> of the episode. Yeah, he's either on his back, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's yeah, either. Yeah, he's, he's obviously sitting there. In, yeah, he was sitting in the the, the like the cockpit or the. Mm. You know, he was sitting in the uh, rec room. Yeah, he's standing with his vest on. True. When he gets he's, or before he gets zapped, he's just standing still in the shuttle yeah. bay, isn't he? So he's yeah. not actually walking. Then he's on the floor. Ooh. Then he's hanging from the ceiling, and then he gets helped off. <laughs> it's the dead stock conspiracy. There we go. I don't know. Oh, maybe it is. Um, yeah. Well, there we go. Maybe there is a conspiracy about uh, Travis. Um, but we then get the kind of cutaway scene of oh, they're all dead, but we don't know what that mm. means at this point. Um, Archer and Reed, they're in the qu- quarters. They're trying to find some evidence as to why he's dead but they find a letter to his sister it's nice to know that he's got you know family ties but they can't seem to track down a cargo ship that seems really odd to me considering they only go from one destination to the other admittedly over a set of a year but you know angles trigonometry i'm I'm no good with maths but surely you'd be able to work out trajectories and speeds and stuff like that but yeah there we go any thoughts on that well, there's the important bit that you've missed, which is how comes future monitors don't go into screensaver mode? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe his doesn't. You know, there's literally nothing he's interested in. So there is no screensaver. He switched off that function because he's got no interests. And the last time he had an interest, he actually fell off the cliff. So he doesn't really be reminded of that as well. Uh, Sai? Yeah, one one thing that um, springs to mind is the whole, the station has manufactured this body. Why does it go to such an effort to manufacture the body? Mm -hmm. Why does it not just vaporise it and then transport the body to where it needs to be? The whole station is automated. Mm -hmm. The positioning of the bodies in that room is all automated. So why are you giving someone evidence to look at when you <laughs> fake a death in another way and <laughs> remove any evidence? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> no, I was exactly the same. Like they could have manufactured a different kind of accident. He was you know, blown out, sucked out into space and vaporized on the side of the hull or something like that. Mm-hmm. Something could have happened. Um, he was in an area that was supposed to be vacated anyway, 
the computer could have made up a series of different misfortunes that that have befallen him and it would have perfectly fitted into the ghost stories of travis maybe have a little scene where hoshi works it out because it's like one of the ghost stories he told her and then at least his character means something and that's how they they find the ploy and all this kind of stuff um, and maybe because he's hooked into the computer, he left the breadcrumbs for Hoshi to find because he knows he's been up, you know, uploaded or part of the computer. Something more, you know, um, have Travis kind of figure his own way out, I guess. But the, the station can manufacture entire starships. It can make catfish. It can make a dead body. Yes. Now, uh, nothing we've seen up to this point suggests that it can make animated things or living things. But does it seem weird that it, it can't even make the microbes? Well, I think that's the point, is that it can make the microbes, but it can't make them alive. So it can't make animate objects. Mm. It can only make inanimate objects. And that's so the thing. That's his weakness, I suppose. That's his weakness, yeah. yeah. Because right. I was thinking, cause there's the point where he's um, Reed's getting his tissues regenerated. So I was wondering why it could make the dead flesh of those microbes and then regenerate them or... You know, make them alive, you know, by because uh, we find out that isolytic radiation can make it, you know, generate and multiply and things like that. I think, again, doesn't he say that it's it's making your your cells um, replicate? Mm, so it's not true. creating new cells. It's just helping the process rather than. Perfect. That's all right. That's at least that's answered. That's that's all that's all there. Um, but we get Rigelian flu. Something that had happened and we've never seen. There's an entire episode of Enterprise that seems to be missing. And this is another thing. You know, is this a quintology? <laughs> I'm trying to work out now. Is there a missing thing? We had missing March. Now, a couple of episodes ago, I realized that there's a whole March uh, month of 2152 where we don't know what happened to the Enterprise. From Shockwave all the way through Carbon Creek up to Minefield. There's February and it suddenly jumps over to April. We don't get anything that happens in March according to the star dates and star logs. So was the Tessic Prime mission part of March and no one wants to talk about it because everyone came down with the flu, I guess, and no one wants to talk about getting vaccinated. Uh, and it comes back to consent culture. We're not allowed to talk about it because it's medical records. There we go. Um, so, you know, is this part of the quintology of the Tessic Prime quintology? <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, you're, you're stretching again, aren't you? I really am. I'm really stretching. It's just any any chance to try and make quintologies or quadrologies or you name it, anything to, to make it go faster. Right. And now we kind of get our, our enterprise trope. We get um, the station is uh, sort of fighting back now. They're going to try and figure out some way of getting Travis back because it's not Travis. He must be back on the station. Um, Archer, to Poe and Reed are infiltrating. And we kind of get something we've seen in, in in season one as well, where lots of build up, lots of tension, lots of things happening. And then all of a sudden it's all resolved in a big sort of action sequence. And it's another Archer plan that has not been explained to anybody. It was one call on a comms and we're just supposed to take it as read that he's communicated the entire plan in 19 minutes, uh, that he figured out this entire way of outsmarting the computer. Um, how they managed to get out of it your thoughts you know was it a good plan does it make sense starting with simon i found the ending of this episode it seemed very rushed it seemed like there's a lot of good setup and about this station uh, and it's super advanced and all this stuff and 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 all you do is plant a bomb and 
destroy the station. It it just yeah, they could have done a lot a lot more to to kind of I don't know exactly what they could have done, but they could have done something a bit different uh, than just like yeah, transport a bomb in or whatever they did. It just it just seemed so so rushed when there's it, it's supposed to be really ad- advanced. Um, yeah. Able to, yeah, it, they could have, they could have easily been stopped with crawling through that hatch. And yeah, yeah, I, I wasn't a big fan of of the conclusion of this episode. It just, yeah, not a big fan. <laughs> Dan, yeah, I tend to agree with you. I think um, it was, yeah, it was another one of those lots of stuff going on or not not stuff going on. And then all of a sudden it ends. And um, I think I agree with Simon, you know, the sort of the way they got into the, I mean, like, for instance, I was thinking today when I was watching it early on this morning and um, when they're in, in the sort of bit with all the bodies mm. and it's saying, you know, if you don't leave, it's going to, we're going to compromise the, the ship and stuff. I mean, it already at the beginning, it had a, like a, a minus 218 degree nitrogen atmosphere. It could have just changed the atmosphere in in the room you know and, and killed mm-hmm. them all you know that sort of thing so yeah it was a bit of a yeah we got away with that one really that was sort of <laughs> you know a bit loose storytelling storytelling there um but uh, again i don't know i quite enjoyed it again it reminds me of um the voyager pilot of course mm. um with banana torres and um and harry kim it's a very similar setup to that um so again, I wonder how much they've been sort of stealing stuff off of Voyager, but um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, again, I mean, I guess this is what always happens, isn't it, to a degree that you know that the heroes have to win, and this is what what happens, you know, so they have to find a way for the heroes to win, whether it quite makes sense or quite sort of tallies or not, really. Yeah, the station's smart enough to fix everything, but it can't scan what's inside a couple of tanks of the the payment that it was asking for yeah. it suddenly can't beam you out when you're in the one most critical part of the station yeah. very strange um you know topol tries her best to sort of cut her way through the circuits yes. and she's testing it and then she even loses a patience with her own work yeah, just shoot. takes it out and shoots the door you know that's all she does to do um you know torpedoes wouldn't advise it's uh but they fire it off anyway <laughs> no problem that's yeah. fine it's okay it's okay it's destroyed it um and they manage to cut themselves free. They blow up the station and they move away. Uh, we get Travis back. Uh, he doesn't quite understand what's going on. I don't quite understand what's what's going on. Um, but we find out he was being linked up and they were trying to build a new CPU, the most advanced computer there is. Um, would you have wanted to see this station coming back, given that at the end we get the kind of, uh, you know, Stephen King uh the car coming back to life again even though it's been killed sort of trope would you have wanted to see the station come back maybe in a different way uh if they'd kind of had written the conclusion better Mm. and i wasn't kind of hating the end of this episode then maybe i would have wanted to see it uh (laughs) see it come back because yeah there's a lot there, there is some interesting things in in this advanced station which aren't explored and aren't you don't get time to see so it has potential but it's just the way that you can outsmart it so easily even though it's so advanced it, mm. 
<laughs> I think um, they missed a trick as well. Another Star Trek trope. They could have left a buoy Ooh. in order to warn people of, mm. the, of the station. Um, Picard is a big fan of this, I think. It's very he true. Because it's quite a lot. They, they're often leaving buoys. And, and I think in um, Voyager, they leave one few places as well. So mm. this, you know, they missed that chance to <laughs> do that. So, um, no, the writers, they missed an opportunity there. Mm. Yeah, just sort of, maybe we should come up with some sort of, I don't know, protocol for, um, you know, leaving a marker or something like that. Can you engineer a buoy? And like Trip was like, yeah, no, I don't really want to. I'm still fixing the paint job that I was supposed to do three weeks ago. And there we go. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed the horror movement and you see it sort of repairing itself yeah. and putting itself back together again. You know, it's like Christine, as I say, the, the sort of um, Stephen King sort of trope. Um, but again, I find it ironic that the one crew member who is famous for ghost stories played a significant part in a ghost story and he has no clue what went on. He doesn't even get to play a a prominent role in his own favourite type of fiction. Uh, But there we go. I think that's the saddest part of the whole episode. (laughs) Um, That's it. We end at the end of the episode. Um, Whatever time stamps you need, it's just up to the credits. And then we've located our time uh, in space and we move on to the next criteria, continuity. Um, there's no timey-wimey shenanigans, so there's no sort of uh, effect on the timeline, but are there consequences then to what happens in this episode? Do you think Starfleet operates differently because of what happens in Dead Stop? We'll start with Simon. Um, I suppose this episode highlights the... Um, the aloneness the, um, of, of, of the Enterprise and how, if things do go wrong, how much trouble they're going to be in and how the distances and stuff. So it's possible that this kind of led Starfleet to kind of start thinking of getting a Columbia ready or kind of expanding mm. their, um, their, the, the fleet, basically. So mm. the that if you do have a ship stranded, you can do something about it. So mm. that's the only thing that I can think of, um, continuity-wise. Um, very true, very true. Dan? Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't really thought of that, but you're right, I think. And it could, have, it could I guess, have, a, a bit of a stretch maybe, but lead to the sort of idea of deep space stations mm. for that very purpose. Um, I think as far as consequences go, the only consequence really that i can think of directly is that you know instead of being stuck for four months that the the enterprise is able to move on for the rest of the season effectively <laughs> um you know so that's the consequence of that of that episode is that we we see a different kind of episode than we would have done if if that hadn't been sort of thought of and mm-hmm. you know, they would have been stuck for four months and, and that's, in some ways i think they might have been more interesting in some ways but mm-hmm. that's another story i suppose or an untold story yeah, and uh, researching through IMDb, uh, the rare time when I bring it sort of into the episode, uh, behind the scenes, they wanted this sort of episode to show that there isn't a magical reset button. That some of the things that Voyager had been criticised for, certainly at the end of the sort of golden era back in the nineties, that the ship could be damaged and it could take them a while to to fix and repair things, and this was kind of answering that. You know what happened. So I was thinking, what if the consequence is they outfit ships with more resources so that they can fix it themselves, that they don't come a cropper of a, a random AI station that can 
feasibly steal someone from the from the crew and try and vaporize them or or do something to them um so that the ships themselves become more self-sufficient so between the three of us i think we've introduced tugboats deep space stations and uh, more self-sufficient ships three big consequences from this episode um alterations expansions Again, would you wanted to see the station come back? Maybe the station's creators. Would we have wanted to see where it came from? If it was created by a biological race somewhere, um, any alterations or expansions? Um, I yeah, I'd look at the ending uh, of this episode. I don't think I'd necessarily want to bring the station back for a second episode. But if the ending could be more than just blowing it up um that's that's the where i would i would go with improvements in that it's a super advanced station that isn't possible to uh, beam people away mm. there's uh there's even a handy ladder next to travis well why is there a ladder there <laughs> uh, beamed in there so just yeah <laughs> a bit more logic in the in the conclusion of this episode uh, would be how I'd improve it. <laughs> I don't think I'd make any changes really, not really, because I actually quite like this episode. Hmm. I think Simon's right; the, the ending is a little bit ropey, and it, you know, but I mean, I think probably if you watch a lot of Star Trek episodes, that's probably pretty true because you know it all gets wrapped up and it's all quite neat and tidy generally. You know. Hmm. Um, so I quite like this episode, and I think from memory, again, I, I've watched a couple of more episodes in season two, but I haven't watched any of season two for a while, and I think it's probably one of the best in season two, mm. actually. Um, maybe later in the series it gets a bit better, but I think there's a few ropey ones in season two, and this actually sticks out to me as, as a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. I, I think the only thing I would change maybe is to get rid of the station altogether and have them struggle for a few episodes. But mm. other than that, I think um, I, I, I enjoy it. Yeah, it's a Interesting. Good, good episode. Yeah, I like it. Um, yeah, for, for me, alterations, I think I wanted Travis to have something more to do. So maybe have Travis be the solution that when he gets hooked up to the computer, his knowledge of ghost stories, he's able to play on that. He's able to communicate maybe with Hoshi through something that they did on the bridge. You know, he kind of breaks his way through the computer code because he's Travis. Um, you know, something happens that only Travis would know about. And that kind of lends credence to, you know, um, how they could get him back and they could thwart the computer. Well, someone inside the computer, the inside man is, is causing enough distraction with the computer for them to get him out and things like that. So it's not just a bomb, a torpedo and warp away. That's it. That's all they do. Um, just something a bit smarter, I think, is all I wanted just on that that last gambit. But overall, yeah, I enjoy the action. It's creepy. It's horror. There's the AI element. Um, again, I'm not sure if I would want to see the station, just like Simon said. Like, you don't have to have it back. That ominous, what is this? The, the unanswered question is nice. It's nice to have that one standalone element. Um, uh, recommendations is our last criteria. Do we recommend this episode to Star Trek fans? I do, yeah. I think, as I say, I think without having rewatched recently the whole of season two, I think this is one of the best episodes of season two from memory. So definitely recommend it, yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not going to recommend it. Um, th- there's nothing. There's nothing that special in this episode. Yeah, there's a bit of 
continuity from the previous episodes and I, and I like the automation station idea but there's nothing nothing that special that I'd say yeah it's a it's a best of both worlds it's a, mm. it's a standout Trek episode that you watch every time you you watch the show it's yeah I only recommend it to Star Trek fans if they've watched Minefield and they want to see how they got out of all of the battle damage they got. So the reason I've made it a two-parter is that I say, if you like Minefield, you have to watch this after. Mm. It makes, it completes the story. They might not necessarily be tied together because the station has nothing to do with the Minefield, although I wish it had. Um, it, you kind of have to complete the set, as it were. So you have to be a completionist with this episode. So I would recommend it, but only if you've watched Minefield beforehand. Um, so that's my recommendation. I'm halfway between you two. There we go. Um, uh, do you recommend to non-Star Trek fans? Do you think this is there's enough in this episode to sort of bring someone fresh into the fold? Sai? Not really. Um, there's a lot of questions and kind of backstory that you need to, to get the most from this episode in that you need to have watched Minefield to know why the ship's damaged. You need to have some kind of idea of the replicators and, and the, the tech that they're, they're seeing. If you had no idea of any of that, then yeah, I don't. I don't think it's one for for non fans or or if there's anything that special that would make you think, oh, I've seen that one. I want to see another. Uh, yeah, I tend to agree. Really, I think um, you certainly can't recommend it without having said you got to watch Minefield as well. Mm. Certainly to a non-star because it would make no sense really, um, and yeah, I, I agree with Simon. Really, as I say, I do enjoy this episode. I think it it's all right. It's it's good, but I think Simon's right. It's not one that you think you know. You, if you watch this, this encapsulates Trek. You know, this mm -hmm. is perfect Trek, and and you know it's gonna gonna you know you're gonna blow your mind or anything like that. So yeah, I'm, I think you're right. I, I, I think it's a no but possibly if you watch Minefield as well. So yes, uh, my recommendation to non-Star Trek fans, I watched Minefield with my son in the room, uh, but he didn't really pay much attention to it, as I mentioned in the Minefield. I think I mentioned it at least, um, if memory serves from last week. Um, but if I didn't, it would dip myself in. Um, but this episode, uh, my son was again in the room and he was sort of interested in what the station was doing at the very end when it was fixing and repairing. It's like, oh, do we see that again, Dad? Does it come back, Dad? It's like, no, nah, it doesn't. It really doesn't. And if someone was watching this episode and it's like, oh, could we watch that Tessic Prime episode where they got the flu? Because like with COVID going on, you know, maybe there's like a there's an episode about flu and getting vaccines. No, no, there's really not in that episode either. It's like, okay, um, how about uh, Travis with all his pranks? There must be an episode where he played a prank. No, no, there's really not an episode where that happens. Okay, uh, the minefield? Yes, yes, you can watch the minefield episode. There was a bit of damage in a minefield. That's the only thing that brings you back to this episode is it because you've watched one other episode. So based on that, there's just too much that wouldn't um, be appealing to a brand new audience. I think, again, if it's something you've seen minefield, you want to finish off that story, great, just do that. But overall, I, I don't think I could recommend to a non-Star Trek fan to bring them into Star Trek. This is one, as we've been trying to grade Dan in other episodes, later on in the watch, just leave it just a little bit out, maybe top 50, maybe just a little bit later. Um, but 
I am interested to see if it holds up as one of the best episodes of season two as mm. we go through it. And whether, you know, a rewatch of other episodes, maybe we like them more. Maybe we uh, raise Dead Stop up a bit more. I don't know. That's it for Criterias. Uh, the last thing is for setup. So as we normally do, um, thank you again, Simon, for agreeing to be on the episode. It's been absolutely fantastic talking through this yeah. one with you. Uh, and to finally see you face to face as well. After all these years, um, you know, you aren't just a, a, a faceless computer screen telling me that my inquiry is not uh, <laughs> invalid. Uh, you know, we are finally better people we've actually met face to face, albeit through Zoom. Um, but how can find pe- people find you on Twitter and the interwebs? Um, so, yeah, I'm at FunkySci1701. So feel free to um, mess me on Twitter. And uh, yeah, really enjoyed uh, coming on the show and talking track excellent excellent uh dan how can people find you uh academic check 47 on twitter that's the best place and uh yeah yeah excellent this episode's coming out uh mid-march i think by the time we've got it all through and all the other episodes gone through um any more academic trek lined up for that point um i'm gonna say yes optimistically there we go uh, I don't. I don't know. I'll, I'll forget what I've said by the time it gets to it, so it won't matter. <laughs> so right. we've got plenty of time. So if you need to tell me to edit that bit out, that's absolutely fine. Um, and yes, of course, uh, join us for more times on uh, Temple Trek as we come to our next episode, where we go to a night in sick bay. It is Chronodate season three, episode thirty-one of the podcast, and season two, episode five. And yeah, night in sick bay. This is going to be an interesting one. We are hopefully going to have uh, Eric from the Too Young for This Trek podcast joining us as a guest, possibly one of the other hosts as well, but we're fingers crossed we'll get that going. Uh, And this could be an interesting one with uh, dogs in sick bay and all this sort of thing as well. Uh, So thank you again, Simon. Thank you again, Dan. And uh, as always, thank you for listening and we'll see you in the next time stream. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Please remember to like, subscribe and review wherever you listen to it. If you would like to be a guest in the future or give feedback, you can contact me by either searching for the Temple Trek Podcast Facebook page or find me on Twitter at Rider underscore Coattail. Also search the Temple Trek Podcast. You can also find me on Instagram at Daniel underscore Hitch underscore Writer. Scripted elements of the show are a work of pure fan fiction and any views and opinions expressed in the episode discussions are my own or that of the guest. They do not reflect the rights holders of Star Trek. Any Star Trek sound effects or music are used under the terms of fair use and are not my own work. The intro music, Birthright by Audio Binger, is royalty free from the Free Music Archive. Check out their work and others at freemusicarchive.com. The Temple Trek is a free podcast.